cross, and Dempsey is denied again, and Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Catabel, la vaca, Ama Rodríguez tirando, golazo, taque, 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 gol, gol, vino, 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 gol de Mundial, taque, taque, gol, gol, taque, taque, gol, 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 taque, taque, gol. Oh, Zinedine, oh, Zinedine, pas ça, pas du tout, pas ça, Zinedine. Pas ça, Zinedine. Oh non. Oh non, pas ça. Hello and welcome to Bend It Like Beckett. We are back after a several week break. Long hiatus. I am your host, Scott Bedgood. That other voice you hear, that mysterious voice, that's Brian Fleischer. Hey, Scott. It is good to be back. We are back. We had Thanksgiving break. Then I was out last week. And then we couldn't record yesterday because you had, quote unquote, work to do. I did. 2018 Upper Deck Goodwin Champions is now priced in the online price guide. You can go find it. There is a little bit of soccer content in there. A couple U.S. women's uh, national team cards and a Portuguese player. Not Ronaldo. It's Nani. No. Uh, Renato Sanchez. No. Andre Gomez. No, maybe Andre Silva. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a guy. Okay, yes, that's the one that plays in the uh, in Serie A. Yes, that's him. He has a card in there. Yeah, I don't know why. It's just kind of a He's random, good. random card to to choose. But maybe he doesn't have a lot of cards. Upper Deck is really good about picking guys and 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 going out and trying to find people who don't really have a lot of stuff so that's why they put them in there so that's yeah that's not there so it idea. is soccer related so yes i was working on that so there you go there uh we have a ton to talk about though because i think the last time we were on it was in the middle of a uh international break uh-huh. and now we're like dead in the middle of crazy season where there's yep. games every other day yep a lot of important things the ballon d'or Ballon d'Or. Ballon d'Or. Yes. Uh, that was handed out. We'll discuss that. Uh, the U.S. MNT finally has a coach in Greg Berhalter. The, the we'll worst talk. kept secret in all of soccer. Yeah. We'll talk Berhalter. Uh, and then we had some, you know, not related to results necessarily things with the Jurgen Klopp celebration by running in the middle <laughs> of the field and the controversy that followed that. Fellaini got in trouble again or didn't get in trouble for something he should have gotten in trouble for. Uh, and then we have, we'll just kind of update you on the Premier League and Champions League because all of that happened while we were gone. Yep. And one thing that didn't happen while we were gone is there still has not been a second leg of the Copa Libertadores. Oh, yeah. That one, that the, the wheels flew off that tournament. Yes, yes. So we will get to all of that on Bend It Like Beckett. And then, of course, we have some really, really interesting new products in the we hobby. do both we from will, panini and tops yeah so we'll get into all of that we'll start with the i guess the biggest news is luka modric winning the ballon d'or mm-hmm. over uh well over Lionel messi and cristiano ronaldo who have won every single award since 2008 that's a pretty impressive run by those two who was the last person to win it before that yeah uh i'm gonna say ronaldinho kaka Ooh, okay. Because he was, that was the year that AC Milan won the Champions League. Oh, he didn't win it with Orlando? You're right. He didn't win it with Orlando. But, <laughs> I mean, he was, you know, there's guys that, that are great, but then have one just incredible year. Yeah. And that was his, and he got it. And, and unfortunately for a lot of guys in the Messi-Ronaldo era, they still weren't as good as Messi and Ronaldo. 
Um, it is pretty interesting to think about the fact that Luka Modric has won a Ballon d'Or and Neymar hasn't. Yes. Um, and you have to think that if you if you were betting money, who would be more likely to win it in the next five years? Would it be Kylian Mbappe or Neymar? Mbappe. I would say Mbappe. Yeah. I think Neymar has turned so many people off. Yeah. And there, there are people who... People still appreciate his greatness, but especially if they're on the same team accomplishing the same things at a club level, unless Neymar stands head and shoulders above Mbappe, I would think Mbappe would win that yeah, before I think Neymar. So. Uh, the biggest controversy of the whole thing, I think, was the fact that Messi got fifth. That's kind of shocking. Because he actually statistically had one of his best seasons. Well, as we were talking, this isn't all statistics. No, you know, people. That's, of course, the first thing, and we were talking that you know, I, I may have been guilty of this in the past is, you know, you look at goals or assists or even shots on goal or something. There are a lot of um, uh, things that don't show up in the box score slash stat right. sheet that, that Modric does. Right. And Modric said that when he accepted the award, he said, this is for Wesley Schneider. This is for mm-hmm. Iniesta and Javi. Mm-hmm. This is for, um, I forgot who else he said, but guys like that who were unbelievable yeah but didn't put up the goals and the assists so it's harder when you're looking at the stat sheet uh people said you know Wesley Snyder should have won in 2010 that was mm-hmm. when the Dutch made the World Cup final that was when he was on oh shoot was it it wasn't Real Madrid at the time no I think he was on he was the hottest thing going Bayern. after that after that uh World Cup though. yeah he was unbelievable but yeah. He didn't put up the numbers that Messi and Ronaldo were putting up, which were unbelievable. And yeah. those, are, those are the two best players in the world. But I think that sometimes that has been to the detriment of guys like Modric. The, uh, another egregious thing was N'Golo Kante didn't even finish in the top 10. He was number 11, which is pretty insane yeah. for the importance of that guy. And if you're going to watch the World Cup and say, well, Modric was the engine behind the team that made the World Cup final, well, who— what was N'Golo Kante? He was the guy yeah. running the French team that yeah. actually won the World Cup. Yeah, had a bad had a bad final. Uh, he was sick, if I recall right. correctly, he was had sick, the yeah. flu or something. Um, but up until that point, um, he was awesome. Yeah, and, and so him not finishing the top ten is pretty ridiculous. But you know, the other thing that that when it comes to player rankings was the ESPN FC 100. Mm-hmm. We could we could talk about that a little sure. bit as well because there were some. I think for the most part, it's kind of hard to miss some of these. Yeah. Like, okay, if you're talking about actual straight center forwards, they have Harry Kane number one. That's probably accurate. There aren't like a lot of the other high scoring players were not are not um, number nine. Yeah. They're they're Ronaldo, Messi, Salah, guys coming in from the wide forward area. So I don't think like that one was pretty easy. Kane earned that on the back of. The World Cup's greatest hat trick. Clearly, that's why he is number one. No, that's so accurate. But you know, an interesting thing: there's one, two, three, four Real Madrid players in this team. There's in the number one in their position, ranked number one in their position. So there's four Real Madrid players. I think that's highly inaccurate because yeah, you were you were not on board with with Sergio Ramos. Sergio Ramos should not be the top center back, but. His teammate Rafael Varane should be. He was he second. He was second. Yeah. So yes, the center back should be a uh, Real Madrid player, but it should not be Sergio Ramos. Rafael Varane won the World Cup. Yeah. Was uh, very key there. He was just as key to Real Madrid, and in fact, 
Sergio Ramos is so hot-headed and so risky, he gets a lot more cards. And he was out for the um, – when Juventus almost came back and beat mm-hmm. Real Madrid in the Champions League. Yeah. Sergio Ramos had a red card. It was yeah. like, like suspended. Yeah. I don't – you never hear about Rafael Varane losing his head. Yeah. He's almost – He's almost too quiet that you don't like notice him because he's so good. Yeah. Um, Diego Godin, number three. I think he probably is also better than Ramos. Uh, and then you have Van Dijk at four and Chiellini at five. I don't know. I think all those guys are better than Ramos. But yeah. What was that midfielder? We were, we've been talking a lot about the midfielders. What are they? Was it the holding midfielder? Is that the category? They had some weird so, categories. So this is yeah. This is how they break it down. They just have goalkeeper and then they have. Uh, right back, center back, left back, and then they have just center mid. They don't have right or left mid. They don't have attacking mid versus defensive mid. They just have CM. So that's Modric, obviously. Mm-hmm. I think there's no argument there. I think uh, they have Conte at number two. Uh, totally makes sense. Tony Cruz, three. Pogba, four. And then Busquets, five. See, what's weird about that is typically Pogba doesn't play the same position as those other guys. Mm-hmm. He's more attacking, typically. He did play more in that position in the World Cup. Rakitic, six. Casemiro, seven. Jorginho? Jorginho, yes. Jorginho, eight. Thiago, he's nine. Been good. He's been good for Chelsea yeah. this, this year. Yeah, Thiago, nine, and Marco Verratti, ten. Now, all of that is interesting, but those guys play very different positions. Casemiro is is out-and-out defensive midfielder, typically. Busquets, defensive midfielder. Some of these guys are a little more attacking, but... Okay, that's fine. Uh, attacking midfielder. So they so they do have an attacking midfielder. They don't have a right and left mm-hmm. midfielder or anything like that. Attacking mid, they have De Bruyne. Yeah. I think we all agree with that one. When healthy, hard when to healthy, argue. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Isco number two. That's probably ahead of. Ahead of David Silva at three. Okay. So you wonder why Manchester is good? They have the two, <laughs> two of the three best attacking midfielders. Coutinho at four. Uh, which is interesting because they could have put Coutinho at a wide forward position. Mm-hmm. You know, he kind of moves around. Uh, and then Christian Eriksen at five. Okay. Deli Ali, I think, is a little high at six. But then, again, you wonder why Manchester City is really good. Bernardo Silva, who didn't even start many games last yeah. year, number seven. They have three of the seven best attacking midfielders in the world. Yeah. That's why it doesn't really matter if Gabriel Jesus isn't converting chances because mm-hmm. they've got they've got plenty got of backup. Yeah, they go Hamas at eight, Coke at nine for Atletico Madrid, and then Mesut Ozil at ten. I don't think I agree with Mesut Ozil being. There. Yeah, he's had a rough season, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been a lot better. Uh, Maybe with, it was last year that it was the really the rough World season. Cup. He had a terrible. Everything World seems Cup. to have flown together with no real break in the summer. Right, Everything exactly. is one giant. Well, so he didn't have a good season with Arsenal last year. I don't believe. Yeah, World Cup was really bad, and he caught a lot more blame than maybe he should have. But he was not good. Yeah, the new Arsenal under um, uh, Emery uh, uh, Unai Emery. I almost Emery, said Lopetegui. Yeah. No, Unai Emery. He's played a lot better. He fits in that system a lot better. So, but I don't know that I would put him as the 10th best in the world. Number one wide forward is Sadio Mane, who I agree with this, except for the fact that he and Salah play the same position for Liverpool. Yeah. But for some reason, ESPN says Salah is a central forward and is in a different category than Sadio Mane, even though they play the same position on the opposite side. Yeah. So I would put... Salah is the number one wide forward in the world. Where did he finish in the center? Didn't he finish like, like seventh f- or eighth or something like yeah, that? He's yeah, he's way down, but he doesn't play central center forward. Yeah, that's typically uh, Firmino. So that's really odd to me. But 
okay, Sadio Mane is number one. Le- Leroy Sané, number two. Always confuses commentators when they're playing. Uh, Liverpool's playing. Um, what am I trying to say? When Liverpool play, plays Manchester City. Yeah. Is there Sané and they, Mane? They mix them up all the time. <laughs> and then Salah. The Salah, Sané, Mane. Oh. <laughs> and then again, so that's. So the number two wide forward in the world is a Manchester City player. The number three wide forward in the world is a Manchester City player. Who do you think that is? Um, um, not Silva. We already talked about Silva. British. Um, oh, Sterling. Yeah. Yeah, Raheem Sterling. Ivan Perisic, number four, had a great World Cup. I think a very – kind of had become a forgotten player for such a good player, but mm-hmm. um, had a great World Cup. Uh, Real Madrid's Marco Asensio. Uh, Chelsea's Willian, who seems to not be a very consistent starter, if he's the sixth best wide forward in the world. No, he plays. He starts. He, he starts does. a lot. Yeah, for Chelsea, he, he starts a lot. He's he did not have. He did had a really poor game uh, a couple of days ago against. Um, who the heck did Chelsea just lose to? They lost two to one. Um, Wolves. Yes, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Yeah, so Willian. So is- he was not good in that game, but he does start pretty regularly for Chelsea. I guess the reason I think he doesn't, he's on my fantasy soccer team. Ah, okay. And he gets subbed off a lot, I think is what happens. Okay. He doesn't yeah. play the full yeah. 90, which really affects my team. <laughs> Lorenzo Insigne, uh, Napoli player, uh, is number seven. Usman Dembele, all the way up at number eight. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think that he has the potential to be that, but he's not been very consistent for Barcelona. Barcelona. See, I haven't... My cable package got changed. Yeah. Well, they pulled off BN from our cable package, so I haven't been able to watch a lot of um, Real Madrid or Barcelona this year. So right. um, he maybe he's having a better season than, yeah. than I know of, but from what I've seen, what I've heard, uh, they they have Marco Royce at number nine. I think I would have put Royce above Dembele because just because Dortmund is leading the Bundesliga mm-hmm. and behind the leadership of Royce, he's the captain. He's kind of the heart and soul of that team. Uh, not kind of, he is, and he's finally been healthy long enough to prove how good he is. He's yeah. 29. We've been hearing about this guy forever, Yeah. but every time a big moment comes, he seems to get hurt. He didn't play in the World Cup when Germany won the World Cup. He's been hurt for long stretches. but He's like the German Freddie Adu, same age. You've been hearing about him for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. exactly? Is that that's, a good comparison? That's exactly right. Okay. Uh, Douglas Costa, number 10. And then we go to, so this is where it gets weird. They have forwards and they have strikers. So forwards, man, this is why Salah falls so far below. Uh-huh. Forwards, Lionel Messi, one. Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo, Ronaldo two. two. Keelan Mbappe, three. Aiden Hazard, four. I don't think Aiden yeah, Hazard I don't plays see, forward. No. He's an attacking midfielder. That's what I think, too. I, w- I think I would have gone De Bruyne Hazard in attacking midfielder or Hazard De Bruyne. Yeah. But I think... Hazard plays attacking mid yes. or, or winger. Um, he plays wide, right? Yeah, he does. He um, doesn't play the... No, that's... No. That's so weird. Uh, Antoine Griezmann, who finished in the... I think he finished fourth in the Ballon d'Or. Mm-hmm. Maybe third. I think he finished third, actually. Third. That was too high for me. Yes. He did. He was fine in the World Cup, but he wasn't the reason they won. Mbappe was significantly better. Yeah. Um, he... And he has—he's a great player, but I don't think he was—he should have finished as high in the Ballon d'Or. But that puts him above Neymar. They have Neymar at number six. That's interesting. That's pretty low, high, high, high. I always get that backwards. He should be. Do you think he should I think be? He should be, ha- be ranked, closer to number one. Yes, in, that's what I agree in his category. Yes. As much as I don't like him, um, Salah number seven, Gareth Bale eight. Re- 
Bobby Firmino, number nine, mm-hmm. and then Dybala, number ten. And again, I guess Dybala is a striker. Yeah, that. Well, so okay, this is the forward category. It says 2017, Dybala was the sixth best striker, but now he's a forward. <laughs> They using those terms? Maybe they just couldn't narrow it down to ten, so they just like split it out. Well, to, and like it, and for Salah, it says he was the number seven wide forward last year. But it's almost he, like now them, he's a forward with baseball. Them doing like a center fielder and then an outfielder position, like yeah. <laughs> just to cover, make sure they get all the big names in yeah. there. Yeah, Griezmann was a striker last year. Uh, so weird. Uh, anyway, so the forward or the strikers, as we said, Harry Kane one, Aguero two. Edinson Cavani three, Luis Suarez four, Lewandowski five, Lukaku six. Lukaku has not played very well lately. I don't know that I put him so highly. Yeah. Hi. Diego Costa seven, Manjukic, my man, number eight. You love him. Gonzalo Higuain, way too high at number nine, and Mauro Icardi, number 10. I think what's interesting is the forwards are all old, besides Mm -hmm. Kane. Aguero's 30, Cavani's 31, Suarez is 31, Lewandowski's 30, Luka, uh, Lukaku's 25, uh, Costa's 30, Mandzukic's 32, Iwain 30, and Icardi 25, and Harry Kane 25. So that's interesting. I think because the striker position is more of the target man, There, most of those guys were tall, yeah. headers of the ball, you know. I guess that's. It what takes a little longer for. to establish yourself as a. And you can stay there a lot longer yes. as a good striker. Yes. It doesn't require the speed. Obviously, the number one manager. Uh, Guardiola. Yes. Pep. Yes. Number two is Klopp. I agree with that, but I could see the argument of well, what you know, he hasn't won the league. He hasn't yeah. won. You know, you could you could make those arguments for sure. Diego Simeone at three. Uh, Allegri, the Juventus manager, at four. Your boy. Sorry. Sorry at five. Didier Deschamps at six. Didier Deschamps. Which is interesting because he did win the World Cup. He, he won took a World a Cup. A whole lot of flack yep. throughout the whole time. And he's taking a whole lot of flack now because they're doing really poorly in that Nations League. Yeah. Pochettino at seven. Golly, they have no no patience. I mean, he just won the World Cup. Now they're a little well, upset yeah. that he's. <laughs> give him a break, man. Yeah. He just won the World Cup. This is France. <laughs> uh, Ancelotti at eight. Chiche at nine, that's really high for Chiche. Well, I guess he kind of turned around a Brazilian, yeah. a very talented Brazilian team. There was that, a lot of chaos. That's always chaotic. So yeah, and then Thomas Tuchel, uh, the former Dortmund manager. We need to talk uh, keepers real quick. Okay, yeah, that's we, right. We didn't I we did didn't talk about keeper. you. Skip over the keeper. Number, Number one, one. You, you tell us. De Gea. Yes. So we were we were having this debate yesterday at, at lunch. I believe it said we were reading that he's got twenty more saves than any other Premier League keeper. Um, is that no? You know he has to make the saves. So, is that a is that a product? Is that the reason? Is is the defense the reason? A horrible defense that gives him more opportunity to be great, or has he just been great? So I think that this is David de Gea has been the best goalkeeper in the world for a couple of years. This this year has been horrible for him. Spain, terrible World Cup. He had a couple really bad say, b- bad mistakes, howlers. And he's had a couple howlers this season. Ooh, speaking of howler, we need to quickly talk about that Liverpool thing, too. The Liverpool oh, uh, yeah, the Everton goal. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, but he has not been the best goalkeeper in the world at all this season. No. And uh, he has 20 more saves than any other goalkeeper in the big six. Well, they, they always say, uh, imagine, how, yeah, a ba- imagine how... Yeah, imagine how 
poorly United would be doing without De Gea. I've seen that numerous times now, this that, season. That could be true, but he's he has not been the best goalkeeper in the world. Yeah, who's been better? Jan Oblak for Atletico Madrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is incredible. He's a great goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Courtois, three Courtois had a terrible. No, season. he's been been awful for Real Madrid. Um, and, I mean, Belgium has lost five zero recently. Yeah, uh, Real Madrid has lost several games three four five six zero. Yeah, I don't know about six zero, but they've he's been giving up a lot of goals. Yeah, uh, Alisson for Liverpool at number mm-hmm. four proved it against um, Burnley on Wednesday with an unbelievable save, and then. Uh, that led to a counterattack and a goal to end the game. Yeah. And it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, that was worth it. Mm-hmm. Because our any other keeper that at least Liverpool's had, you wouldn't even be mad if they let these goals <laughs> in. You'd be like, well, I don't think... Yeah, what are you going to do about that? Save. Yeah. And then you go, oh, yeah, that's why you pay that much money because the difference in a draw and a win is massive when mm-hmm. Manchester City's beating everybody 15 to nothing. <laughs> yeah. And then they've got uh, Ter Stegen for Barcelona... Five, Ederson, four, Manchester City, six. Manuel Neuer drops all the way down to seven. He was number one last season and probably number one for five straight years. Neuer's like the guy who's probably going to be in this list until he retires. He'll be like Messi and Ronaldo. They'll be on the list somewhere until they are till they leave one of the big leagues or they, they retire. Well, how about Gianluigi Buffon? Oh, one? yeah, exactly. There's another. There, yeah, there you go. He's They're 40 perfect. years old. Yeah. yeah. He's great, uh, but he's 40. And he doesn't even start most games, I don't think. I don't think so. I think Ariola starts most of the games for PSG. Uh, Loris at 8, Buffon at 9, and Kaylor Navas at 10. So And Navas isn't playing either, right? Behind uh, Courtois. Behind Courtois. So yeah. I don't understand this list. Is it, is it really just for the last calendar year, maybe? So it it's is. taking last season and but, part of this season? I mean, he, he was – there was a reason they wanted to go get Courtois. Yeah. He was good, but he wasn't – one of the 10 best goalies in the world, I don't think. Well, I mean, I guess those teams are always trying to improve. And if you think Courtois is slightly better, then it's a it's an upgrade. You're always trying to upgrade to keep up with the Barcelonas and the Bayerns and the in the cities and, you know, to, to win the Champions League. So he might have been great for them, but if you think that Courtois is going to give you that extra edge... Um, and go get them. Yeah, I know. I just I think that's an odd list, but I don't know that I could have done better. Moving on to uh, because you brought it up, we'll talk about these thing this really quickly, and then we'll get to the Burhalter thing. Uh, Klopp's celebration in the 96th minute against Everton. It was a nil-nil game, Derby Day. Yes, Everton had played their best game for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, for they usually kind of. They're really bad against Liverpool, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, but they played a very good game at Anfield. 96th minute, Liverpool has everybody in the box trying to win this game. They've subbed on Daniel Sturridge. They've subbed on Divock Origi, who totally forgotten guy at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Had been on loan all last season, played almost none this year. Ball in the box, gets out. Van Dijk tries to hit it on a full volley and just completely messes it up. It goes straight in the air. And it's going over the bar, and Jordan Pickford jumps. This little Jordan Pickford arms. With his arms, <laughs> and he hits it back into play. Like a volleyball, like yeah. sp- trying to spike the ball yeah. backward or where, forward. Yeah, where Jordan, or where Divock Origi is standing at the, like, right there and heads it in in the game. Uh, Liverpool wins at 1-0. Right when the goal happens, Klopp runs on the field, 
hugs uh, Alison, goes crazy. Well, the game's not over yet. Everton still has to kick the ball <laughs> off. So Klopp gets fined, and there was some... Like 8,000 pounds, yeah. which is really nothing That's to those nothing. guys. Yeah. There was a lot of controversy about it, but I don't think there was really controversy about it. I think fans were, like, Everton fans were acting upset. But I don't think that there's anybody in the world that wouldn't like if their manager did. Yeah, that. I don't. Th- I didn't think there's anything wrong with it. I mean, it, it wasn't like he did it in the 30th minute or something like that. It was kind of a last-second fluke goal in a derby against your rival. Um, I think I thought it was fine. I could see where they find him, but okay. Yeah, you have what? to find him because you have to set the precedent. Yeah, that, that hey, you, can't you can't just run, run out of the field, field in the, field in the middle. Yeah, in the middle of the game, but. Silva for Everton said no, no problem. I yeah. don't. We should not take the passion out of the game. Yeah, you should be excited when your team scores mm-hmm. a winner. Uh, the only thing, and it, and all the managers across the Premier League basically were like, I mean, listen, I get why he's fine, but you should be happy when your team scores. You yeah. should be passionate. Sometimes you do things you don't really think about. That's fine. Nobody was upset. The only thing I heard a couple times, and you hear this all the time. Well, if that was uh, Jose Mourinho, you would he would be suspended for yeah. three weeks. Okay, that's because Jose Mourinho one has a reputation for doing things to tick people off, not to. So he's the guy who runs the length of the field to celebrate in front of opposing fans. He's the guy that talks smack to fans with the three and the yeah. ear and that. That's different than celebrating with your goalie or with your team. Yeah. But also, he's also the one who'll get all yeah. freak out when when a Chelsea assistant or kit man or somebody runs fist. in front of the bench twenty yards away from him and starts pumping his fist, and then he goes crazy and goes after the Chelsea bench. Yeah, so that's that. Those are things that he has that reputation. So of course he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, Klopp gets the benefit of the doubt because people see him being joyous and celebrating with his team often. Mm-hmm. If he was going into opposing stadiums and riling up the other fans and holding his ear to the crowd and, you know those kind of things then you would <laughs> these be are like, all these are all reasons why i still really like Mourinho. i think that he's important for the premier league because you need a villain right now all the other managers are like oh i can't i really respect sorry because of the way he's turned chelsea around and seems like a, a really smart guy mm-hmm. and he uh pep is amazing like yeah. how could you not like pep um Klopp is so passionate. Klopp is passionate. His teams play exciting mm-hmm. uh, football. Uh, Unai Emery has made Arsenal into this unbelievably entertaining scoring yeah. team. But you have you have to you have that guy that everyone hates and says, "I don't want that guy as my manager. I don't want to play that guy's teams because of what they do." I think the Premier League needs that. Now, I don't think that Manchester United fans are necessarily pumped that he's still their manager. Yeah. But I think you need kind of a guy that everybody hates. It used to be all the managers hated each other, or it seemed that way. Rafa and Rafa Benitez and Jose Mourinho would go at it all the time. Yeah, uh, Sir Alex and everybody would go at it. Um, it, it. You know, Arsene Wenger would kind of get on people's nerves. He and Kenny Dalglish had a great <laughs> uh, back and forth one time in a game. Uh, Klopp and Sean Deitch? Deitch? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. The Burnley manager had been going at it because Burnley decided instead of trying to win a game on Wednesday, they would just attempt to injure as many players as possible. <laughs> and it worked. They got Joe Gomez injured. They almost got uh, Alberto Moreno injured. Anyway, so there was a little bit of that. But, I mean, who cares about the manager of Burnley? Oh, wow. I'm I sure mean, the, 
Okay. I just we just lost our whole listenership right. from Burnley. Oh, wow, they're not listening anyway. Wow, you don't know that. Yeah, you know you're, you're right. Sorry, Burnley fans. Uh, please forgive me. So that is uh, that. So that was a fun thing. The other the, the, the dirty. Speaking of dirty play and only trying to injure, you want to talk about uh, Fellaini? Yeah, I was gonna say that was a fun thing. This is funny, but it's really not like Fellaini in the uh, Manchester United Arsenal game very clearly grabbed the hair of a guy whose name I can't pronounce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That was close. I think that was right. The guy with the crazy hair for Arsenal, he pulled his hair. Sideshow Bob hair. He, Side he's, Bob he's hair. Arsenal's David Luiz. Yes. Oh, Gwen Gwenduzi. Yeah, okay. We'll go with that. So he grabs his long curly hair in the middle of a run. He rips it and pulls him to the ground. <laughs> it's really it, shocking. It's shocking to see someone do that and not even like there wasn't. There's no accident there. Yeah, he, his arm came out and he pulled it and he just kind of kept jogging and he was yeah. right in front of the referee. Didn't get a card. That's a red card. That's an absolute red card. When you do something like that, you're attempting to injure a player. You're impeding his progress. There's there's no excuse. Well, we talked about in American football, they had to make a ruling several years ago and and have ruled that that is considered like part of the uniform, right? Yeah, you're allowed. You're to allowed do that. to in American football pull. But Hair. in American football, you're allowed to actually physically tackle true, somebody with, true. with your body. True, okay. So you're not allowed to do that in soccer. And I, it should have been a red card. The referee was right there. He didn't call it. Yeah. Uh, it's become funny because it's like, hey, Fellaini cut his hair and now he's pulling other people's <laughs> hair. But it's really shocking that he didn't get a red card and that he hasn't faced any sort of retroactive suspension. I think this this false anger and outrage from you all ties back to your Liverpool fandom. I don't care about Gwen Doozy from Arsenal. No, but you do care that Fellaini does not play. Well, no, I think he's terrible, so I want him to continue <laughs> playing for Manchester United, but it's just the principle of the thing where the Premier League just does not very often go back and give retroactive punishment for things that are very obvious. Like There should be way more retroactive punishments for diving. I'll, Daniel Sturridge had a really terrible dive in the uh, Liverpool game on yeah. Wednesday and he's not going to face any punishment for that and he should he should get a retroactive yellow card for that because it was ridiculous it also goes back to Fellaini's Everton well, yeah. former Everton and former so your two biggest rivals he's always been terrible for both teams <laughs> so I'm not concerned with him he's just and a dirty <laughs> player he's a dirty player and you hate Belgium too no I like Belgium oh, okay. always, you just don't like I've him I've never understood how he made it in that team like, Raja Nangolan is like a million <laughs> times better than him, and he didn't make the World Cup squad. Oh, my goodness. I, I don't understand what he brings to the table. He brings headers. Zero discernible talent besides he's headers. The, he's the Peter Crouch of Belgium. Of central midfielders? Why not? <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so that was kind of shocking. Two more... Uh, Less shocking news. Less shocking at all. Not shocking in any way. Greg Burhalter, former Columbus Crew coach, is now the coach of your U.S. men's national team. The the worst secret kept secret in all of American soccer. Probably not. Well, I would say the world, but I don't think the world cares. It became a pretty clear thing. What in October? I would yeah something. Once they hired uh, Ernie Stewart as the GM, which is a very American thing to do the general yeah. manager of u.s soccer True. um 
it came became pretty clear that that Burhalter was the leading candidate. Apparently, uh, FC Dallas former FC Dallas manager, current Tijuana manager uh, Oscar Pereja was a strongly considered as a finalist. But uh, Burhalter, as you said, former uh, Columbus Crew manager, former U.S. Men's National Team, believe we played in the 06 and 10 World Cup or 02 and 06 World Cup, um, was named manager, has had some international managing experience um, at the club level in like Norway or something, Hammerby, or was it Norway? I don't know. He's, he's somewhere over in Europe and he lasted a season and a half before he was shown the door. Yeah. Um, so whatever some people were saying you know and the other little little tidbit of information burhalter's brother is some sort of high up in u.s soccer or with uh what is it the some what is some the the, the marketing arm of mls oh, really? something hey he has his his older brother has some high up connection with u.s soccer or mls so there's a little rumblings that you know that that's a little shady it is interesting as far as experience goes, you know, we had Tata Martino coaching in the mm-hmm. MLS. That didn't seem to go anywhere. Yep. His experience, as you said, Hammarby. Yes, Hammarby. There uh, you go. Two years. Oh, yeah, a year and a half. I think he yeah, was midway yeah. through the not, second one. Not a long one. time. No. And then Columbus Crew for five years. And yeah. I, one of the interesting facts I saw about him, his playoff record is really terrible. Mm-hmm. He's like four and four in the playoffs. Yeah. The U.S. MNT essentially plays only playoff games. True. I know it's different. I know you're dealing with different players. I know all this. It's just interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a very safe hire. Mm-hmm. I think this was an opportunity to do something uh, maybe risky. Uh, but well, was couldn't you have argued that that Klinsman was risky? Right. So I was gonna say, yeah, maybe the Klinsman thing scared them off, and they mm-hmm. won another Bob Bradley. Well, that's what I've heard. This was like a Bob Bradley. Yeah. Some there were some commentators or, or, or reporters or fans saying this was uh, just the second coming of Bruce Arena. It was like Bruce Arena Part Two. Yeah, Bruce Arena, Bob Bradley. They're all they're fine. I would have been better with Bob Bradley coming back. Honestly. Yeah. Why not? I don't know. I mean, I, I I'm okay with trying something new. Trying. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm gonna. I think that it was met with, for the most part, a collective yawn okay. or just like disinterest. But I'm open to see what he's got. He's got his first uh, camp coming up here in January. First game against Panama with a with uh, traditionally what is a. Um, uh, mostly made up of MLS players in that January camp. Mm, yeah. So it won't be a full-on, uh, let's see what you can do type thing. Um, but I'm interested. I predict a nil-nil draw with Panama here I, in January. I do wonder if it would have been smart to get a, I'll say Latin American, South American or Latin American manager because we play mostly Latin American teams, mm-hmm. Central American teams. It might have been interesting or smart to have a guy like that who can coach around the KG tactics of these teams that we play. And maybe Berhalter has experience in that with coaching in the MLS. I don't uh-huh. I don't know. I'm just it's just kind of a all right, we'll see. Not not gonna get anybody to buy tickets to the next game beyond just the fact that $60 tickets you're not you don't think you can get $60 $60 for US yeah. mostly MLS t- players against Panama 
Yeah, that's really exciting. So his contract runs through the 2022 World Cup. I think um, barring any crazy disaster or off-field uh, uh, scandal, yeah, he'll be he, here. he'll be here through 22 at least. Um, you know, I'm I'm open. We'll see what he, let's see what he can do. Yeah, I guess. he's got a group of young, talented players to work with. We'll yeah, see. I mean, but if they were going to do this, why didn't like uh, why didn't they just do it? Six months ago. I mean, I know he still he was still probably under contract with with Columbus, yeah, and he didn't want to just leave his team. Mm. But just in FIFA, you can manage both a club team and an international team at the same time. So just name them. I'm sure you could still. Do so you it. go a year. Uh, you you know you could argue that you lose a whole year of development. Yeah, you did. And um, getting a plan and a system in place because you want to mess around until the MLS season is over or whatever, or you know until you hire a GM until. They have some, you know, self-imposed end-of-the-year deadline. If you knew you're going to hire the guy, hire the guy. I don't know. I know it, it is frustrating. Uh, so we will move quickly into just Premier League table updates mm-hmm. because of the Chelsea loss. Yeah, they've had a couple. A they've had a couple, a, a rough couple of weeks here. Did they? There was a tie and a loss, or oh no, I'm thinking of Tottenham. They lost three nil to Tottenham, right? Was it three nil? Who Chelsea? Chelsea. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, I believe it was. It was three nil to Chelsea, uh, or to Tottenham. I'm sorry. Um, they got a win somewhere in the middle there, and then most recently the two one loss to Wolves. Now they are still rolling in the Europa League, but they're not playing anybody. Yeah. So Liverpool is now in there. This is the latest in the season they've ever gone unbeaten. They have not lost yet. It is December. The date. The Invincibles. Yeah. They've not lost yet, and they are still two points behind the leaders, Manchester City, and 14 goals. Is that insane? 14 goals. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, they're so good. It's it's unbelievable. So, but Manchester City and Chelsea play this weekend? Uh, They do. Yes, they do. So, the great hope for Liverpool fans is at least a draw, (laughs) Uh, but that usually doesn't happen. So Liverpool is two points behind Manchester City, and then it's all the way six points before you get to third place with Tottenham, and uh, Chelsea's at 31 points. That means they're 10 points behind the leaders, eight points behind. Yeah, they place. need to make some of that. So they their, their, their recent run in the Premier League was a nil-nil draw with Everton, 3-1 loss to Tottenham, 2-0 win over Fulham, and then the 2-1 loss. And then tomorrow they do have uh, City. Yeah, at eleven thirty, that's over amazing. the air. That'll be on the big channel that's five exciting. here on uh, in the United States. And then I think uh, uh, Arsenal at thirty one points, tied with Chelsea, playing really well. Mm-hmm. They've kind of come back down from their crazy streak of just destroying everyone. Yeah, uh, Everton in sixth, Bournemouth in seventh, and then your boys Manchester United <laughs> down in eighth with twenty three points. <laughs> Negative one goal differential, pretty amazing. Yeah, and and your punching bag for the day, Burnley, way down in nineteenth. Yeah, they are not good. They are not a good team. And Southampton, they know it and they play Burnley, like and Fulham. Fulham, yeah, poor Fulham. Poor Fulham. Mark Hughes just let go again. Yes. We were joking that set the record for the becoming the first manager to be fired by two different Premier League teams in the same calendar year. It's impressive. It's hard to do. I think so. But he did it. Mark Hughes, congratulations. Congratulations. And we have 
Champions League, no Champions League this past week. We mm-hmm. had midweek Premier League games, but I believe the Champions League will come back next, next week. week. Should. So let's go to our hobby talk, our yeah. products. Let's talk hobby real quick. Um, this week or recently here, my weeks are all behind because we, we haven't been here uh, in a while. Tops has the Bundesliga license for cards. They have done some products in the past. They've done um, Tops Match Attacks. They've done Tops Chrome Bundesliga. Now they've introduced Tops Bundesliga Museum Collection. Museum Collection is one of their more popular baseball brands. It is a one-pack per box product, eight cards per pack, uh, about $100. You get an autograph memorabilia card, an autograph card, a memorabilia card, and then just five random other cards for about $100. So pretty cool that they're going to be doing this with the Bundesliga, finally get get a lot of uh, memorabilia cards and autograph cards. You can get uh, some of your favorites if you're an American soccer fan. Bobby Wood. Bobby Wood, Christian Pulisic, maybe some Weston McKinney. Uh, who else is in there? Uh, uh, I was going to say Aaron Brooks. <laughs> He's the quarterback from the Saints. John Brooks. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. I was like, what? <laughs> um, yeah. So you get a lot of patches and autographs, and um, you probably and you you won't get any uh, Pulisic autographs because he is a Panini exclusive, mm-hmm. right. but you will get Pulisic base cards at least. Um, and I don't know what the memorabilia uh, deal is with with Panini, so you may see some memorabilia cards. Um, but you get Manuel Neuer and and Thomas Muller cards and autographs and and patches. Next, just released here in the last couple days, um, a few months ago on the podcast, we had Panini soccer brand manager Corey Hollingsworth on, and he. Uh, mentioned this product that they were working on, Panini Treble Soccer, that has released. The cards look awesome. These were the cards where they 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 teased it on their Twitter account um, during the World Cup, where they got players to sign, including Messi, to sign um, uh, Panini World Cup stickers, and they have framed them in a card. That's pretty awesome. And they look really cool. Oh yeah, that looks um, awesome. Some of them are signed on card. Um, or sorry, on sticker, and then others are um, the the framed sticker is placed above a sticker autograph. So it wasn't only just this year's, but they have Messi and Modric and, and Neymar. One sold for a Neymar sold for two hundred, and then another one for three hundred dollars. Uh, they have Kyle Walker, Roberto Baggio, Ronaldo, um, Thierry Henry. So they've got a really good checklist. Um, they've got a lot of uh, cool autographs some a lot of first signers um so it's a really cool good looking product about two hundred dollars for a box a box i believe has three packs um let me see here so these are high-end products these are high-end products so it is you're gonna get um i believe three packs in a box you're gonna get uh i think it's let me see all my papers are falling apart here um you're going to get an autographed jersey card you're going to get two autographs or memorabilia cards two inserts and three parallels in a box so high end high risk high reward but a lot of really cool um patches and autographs um there's a really really nice one of one i believe it's uh morata chelsea patch autograph where it's 
like almost a quarter of the Chelsea logo patch. Really, it's really awesome. It's about two hundred fifty dollars as of this recording, so it'll probably go. You gotta buy it for yourself four, for Christmas. No, that's too expensive for me. That maybe three or four hundred dollars for that one, but it looks really, really good. So if you are a soccer collector and a soccer fan, check out Panini Treble. Check out Topps Bundesliga when that releases. That's supposed to be out in the spring of of nineteen, so that oh, okay. is not out yet. Um, but this treble is out now, and it looks really, really good. A lot of Pulisic content in there, autographs, um, parallels, memorabilia cards, some good, good stuff. That's Check real. It out. That's good stuff. Check it out. Maybe we'll have Corey on again here soon um, to discuss what they have coming up um, in, in the second the year part of 2019. In, in 2019. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I'm, it's cool to hear about a product and then it finally comes out and see yeah. what all it has and yeah. see that it's living up to the hype of yeah. what they said. So. so. That's uh, that's great. It gives you some idea of what you might uh, want for Christmas, everyone. Yes. But uh, until then, this has been Bend It Like Beckett. Make sure to like us on the uh, or, or what do I say? Subscribe on like subscribe. SoundCloud like and, and iTunes. Uh, retweet us. Tell us. Tell your friends about Bend It Like Beckett. That we are back after a two week break with a vengeance. and we gave you some great hashtag content today. Until next time, I'm Scott Bedgood. I am Brian Fleischer. Sporting KC. Pat, pat,